0: Hello, RC enthusiast, and welcome to the On the Horizon RC podcast. I am your host and Horizon CEO, Chris Dickerson. With me out of hiatus
1: is,
0: (laughs) as always, our marketing director, Steve Petrato. Steve, it's been a while. We've been busy, but uh, it is good to be back off hiatus and have the On the Horizon podcast Back up and running. Thank you for getting this uh, back on our schedules. Uh, it is a lot of fun for me, and it's great to join you. How's how's it been? How you been since we were? You uh, been <laughs> uh, up to, Steve?
1: Yeah, it's been a it's been a year. I mean, I think we last recorded in March, so it's we've had most of the summer to enjoy some really cool products, uh, really great events, and and uh, in in the world of marketing, uh, we just kind of came off Super Bowl season, as I always call it. Right. Uh, and you know me; I'm not really a sports fan. So, using a Super Bowl, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, it's it's been a, a great year. The RC industry is uh, is continued to grow, and uh, like I said, the events and the products and everything that we've done this year, even some of the things that we'll talk about here in a minute, uh, just some of the accomplishments we've had uh, or things that we've launched. It's just been it's been fun. It's never a dull moment, as I always say. Working at right. under- and, uh every day is a new adventure and that's why we all love it so yeah it's been really good and excited to get back on the podcast for sure
0: yeah absolutely i mean i think part of it is we fortunately we've been able to get back out some and do field marketing mm-hmm. and get back out to the events that we love to be part of we were able to have rc fest axial fest uh air meet you know this year a little more bit back to normal and and because we've been so out and about it, it made it harder to get here on the podcast but um, like I said, glad we're able to kind of get this kicked back off. And uh, yeah, a lot of amazing things to talk about. And I think what we're shooting for now is is kind of a monthly cadence here for the podcast, at least yeah. through the end of the year and yeah, for sure. Um, make sure we kind of hit people with uh, with uh, some, some content. I'm really excited about today's guest. I, I, I think people that are tuning in they're going to learn a lot about some of the most important developments in our industry i think you know over the last 20 25 years that have really driven the growth and the customer experience i mean we're hearing from one of the people who had a front row seat maybe actually he was on the stage uh, he wasn't <laughs> watching he was he was part of the act so uh, very very cool um you know guest today i'm looking forward to bringing him on here in just a second yeah. What else? Uh, what, what have you been doing here? To, to I think you, you and uh, Derek, and some of the rest of the team have been doing some pretty amazing stuff too to grow the community, right?
1: Yeah. So one of the initiatives we had this year was to to try to build out our our Horizon community, but mainly the RC community uh, through the, through an online space, uh, and that we have uh, we've launched recently, RC Nation. And if you've not been to rcnation.com, I strongly suggest you check it out. But it's a really innovative, almost like a RC-specific social media platform. So, you know, we're all sick of getting on Facebook or the forums and seeing political banter about stuff we don't care about. But if we want to learn about RC, um, you have to join different groups and find different content all over the map. And we thought, how great would it be to bring all of that together, bring the community together, and just talk about what we're interested in? that's RC. And so RC Nation is kind of uh, all of those thoughts and ideas into one platform, and uh, it's broken out to an air and a surface division. So you're, again, simplifying yourself out, and then you can filter down to specific Horizon products uh, or other RC vehicles out there. And it's really really a nice way to just – it's a refreshing experience, right? It's not the – I got to join ten different groups to learn about this one airplane or this one car. I can just jump on there and find the information right away. So, uh, really excited about it. We've launched. We're you know well over three thousand members already, and uh, you know we've got we've got native video launching this week too, which is exciting for it. So you'll be wow. able to post the video right to it, just like you would any other. Platform, um, so check it out. It's uh, it's been a fun project. It's definitely been a heavy lift for a lot of folks, and uh, really excited to have it out there in the public now. Yeah, I think
0: one of the things I love about it is just like this podcast. So many of the people we work with and around are members of the RC community. You know, mm-hmm. we are we're we're enthusiasts. We love whether it's flying or or crawling or racing or whatever you're into. You know, we're we're enthusiastic about it, too. And so to be able to have a platform that, like you said, focuses on enjoying the hobby and how to make it better, how to get the most out of it, where to do it and all the other garbage is kind of cleaned out of the way. The political stuff, the trolls, the bad information, um, get 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 that all cleared out and to have a direct connection between. You know, uh, folks like you or a Jason Merkel or or, you know, a Frank Root or Ryan Dunford on the surface side is really amazing. And it gives us that direct connection and, and really allows us to build this community where we're, you know, interacting directly. With uh, with the Horizon fans, or you know, if you're an Arma fan, this is a great place to go and and hear what the Arma team has to say about things. I think uh, you're going to add some new things too. I think this will be where we maybe do some new product announcements in the future, and yeah. maybe a chance to interact directly with with some of our. Yeah, our our team members as we go forward, right?
1: We'll have some uh, kind of what people may refer to as Ask Me Anything, so we'll have exclusive content with developers, kind of like our guest today, Uh, you know, guys like Ali Machinchi on there talking about uh, certain things and how to do things, and you're you're really going to get an exclusive level of content that you wouldn't just get out there in the the normal social media world. So, yeah, using it for announcements, you're going to see some really cool stuff on RC Nation, so Keep uh, keep it in mind as you as you join any internet community. It's uh, it's growing quickly, uh, so definitely get on board, and we're uh, excited to have you uh, join us. It's it's going to be a fun adventure for sure. Yeah, it absolutely absolutely
0: should. And um, you know, you mentioned us coming out of hiatus, and uh, yeah, we're sitting here at the end of September, so <laughs> we are what less than less than two weeks away now um, from. October, which is Q4, which means uh, that the holidays are going to be upon us pretty quickly. And certainly um, f- for those that work in the industry, the holidays are kind of, you talked about uh, summer is kind of Super Bowl season for us as a marketing organization, as a uh, distribution and sales organization, uh, we're about ready to go into their Super Bowl. And yeah. so it's always a great time, but um, a wonderful time. You know, a lot of people that get into the hobby, get into it. Uh, we're going to talk about this with our guest about, you know, uh, the fact that a lot of the hobby is handed down from somebody else. So if if you're listening to this and you're an enthusiast, uh, in the RC community and you're wondering what to get somebody special in your life, uh, for, for the holidays, for Christmas or whatever else, um, uh, RC is a great way to, to give them something that they're going to remember their entire life to create an amazing experience and, and something they can enjoy literally their entire life. Yeah. Um, if, if you get them, our, our guest today, again, a great example of someone who as a child got into the hobby and is now decades later has the same amount of passion I believe as he probably did when he was six years old yeah, starting definitely. out. So um, yeah, it's, it's about to get a different busy here so um it's but good. but it's good i love this time of year i love when you go out in the distribution center and, and everybody's you know it's busy and it, it feels like santa's workshop to me i always kind of right. i love that analogy of you know of of that and and i love the the you know thinking about all of our local retailers out there and them being decorated for the holidays and mm-hmm. um you know ready to have uh to take care of everybody who who wants to to either buy or maybe, you know, hey, we don't judge here, right, Steve? If you want to buy yourself something uh, right. in Q4, if you've been good this year and you want to just buy yourself something, maybe a winter project. I mean, it's always good. Again, those of us in the Midwest, it's always nice to have a winter project that you can work on. I, it was 90 here this week in in central Illinois, so talking about an indoor winter project seems crazy,
1: but um, <laughs> it's going to be here, Steve. So get, cool get your winter coat out. The snow is coming. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking well, of
1: uh, warm weather, you were uh, you were out in Vegas this little bit ago, right? Let's talk a little bit about uh, NURSA. I was, yeah.
0: Again, uh, last last week, I uh, had the the privilege of going out. There's a uh, Nurses the the National Retail Hobby Store uh, Association, and um, a couple hundred of our of, of, of retailers, probably your local hobby shop. If you're listening to this podcast, hopefully they were one of the members who who uh, came to the convention. It's a great event, um, you know. Peer to peer discussions with, with the local hobby shops. We were there. We we did uh, airplane demos. We did car demos. We did boat demos. I think my my highlight of the entire event is always going to the boat pond, and uh, everybody yeah. just kind of has fun, you know, driving you know a bunch of RC boats out on the water. Uh, the RC tugboat, a shout out to our own Todd Hodge, um, was was a star recovering boats that you know some boats don't have. Uh, uh, self-riding. Many of our pro boat boats are self-riding. And so if you flip it over, uh, you just flip it back over and go. Some boats, not so fortunate. And so we needed the rescue tug. It, it was well employed at the event, but great event. It's always good. You know, again, the whole purpose of this podcast is just getting together within the RC community and and just enjoying it and talking about the awesome things uh, to do NERSA was a great opportunity. It's pretty low key. It's not a big, you know, it's not like Seamer or something like that, sure. where it's, you know, kind of all this big formal stuff. It's really face to face discussions. It was awesome uh, to, to the NURSA board and the folks that put on that event. You know, it's always it's always well done and fun to be part of. So, um, yeah, I, I think it was a good
1: event. Good, yeah. It's always fun to talk to our retailers and learn a lot too, because we don't always get, yes. uh, get all that feedback, and uh, that feedback uh, all at once. I'm sure is a lot, but it's good. To, it's good to hear, and I know it trickles back into us when you guys get back, and yeah, uh, we learn a lot from it. So very cool. Well, like I always say, Chris, it's been a while since I've said <laughs> this, but without it wouldn't be a Horizon Hobby podcast without uh, some product talk. So let's just jump into it. We've got. Uh, we had a lot of announcements. This yeah. Year. So
0: you said we haven't recorded this since March, Steve. So we're gonna go through every horizon announcement and every great, awesome product that we've had since March and talk about each one of them. Is that is and that the I, plan you know, here?
1: I don't think we have time for that, Chris. That would probably take the next hour and a half. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it probably would. First of all, I'd have to think of them because there've been so many awesome ones and uh, definitely some good stuff. But we've had even just really recently, like in the last week or so, have had some some really you know, pretty awesome announcements that maybe we should go through for folks who maybe you missed it. Um, and you want to know a little bit more. So why don't, yeah, let's jump in. What, what do you have that you want to cover first?
1: Yeah. The, uh, the two that come to mind for me, uh, we, we actually almost three. So the, the e 80 millimeter Thunderbirds F-16, uh, we yes. re-released essentially the, the 80 millimeter F-16 in the Thunderbird scheme. And the really neat thing about this is one, it's, a, one of the most iconic schemes out there other than like a blue angel scheme. Uh, but it's, it's a fully white scheme and it's painted white. It's not just white foam. Uh, and we've made some other minor adjustments to, to the platform, but, uh, this thing is, is just, it looks the part, it's got the performance. Uh, the F-16 in itself is just an incredible flying aircraft, but when you combine that with smart technology, AS3X safe, uh, um, Spectrum. It's just, it's a, it's a world, it's a world of its own. And so really excited to bring the F-16 back under the, that Thunderbird scheme. So I could definitely see this, uh, this next spring, lots of guys flying these in formation and trying to do their own Thunderbirds uh, performance uh, at their local.
0: It's beautiful. I mean, I've, I've seen it, I've seen the guys flying it and you're right. I mean, it, it looks the part, it, it looks the part in the air. It's just a beautiful, beautiful plane. Like you said, one of the, the two most recognizable, you know, trim schemes uh, out there. So yeah, yeah, great
1: product. And the other, the other two that, that come to mind for the air side is the the Beach D18, which is an all new platform from eFlight, uh, really classic and, you know, model from 1930s to the early, late 1960s. Yeah. The Beach was an incredible aircraft and did lots of things in the, in the real world. But to bring it to a model form that's, you know, 3 and 4S, twin uh smart technology and it just looks again looks the part it's beautifully painted uh out of the box you'll be you'll be having a blast retracts and all uh the d 18 is an iconic aircraft and I, I can't wait to see lots of people get their hands on this because it's just, yeah. a, just a sweet airplane jason merkel flew this out at nursa speaking okay. of <laughs> nursa last
0: week and um boy the reaction to it was phenomenal and even going into the event i had a couple of the the retailers send me an email ahead of time asking if we were going to have this airplane there. So um, definitely a, a product that a lot of, a lot of folks have shown interest in and and you're right. It lives up to the hype for sure.
1: Yeah. So, and then the last one I have was the, the Hangar nine PT 19. We just announced mm-hmm. this today. This is a, the a, the next in the series of the fun scale series. So like our P 47 fun scale that we've released, this is the next one. And, and the idea here is it's, uh, it's plug and play, but it's it's kind of that next step going into the, your Balsa aircraft. So if you're f- kind of getting into that, you've done the foam aircraft and you want something that's a little bit uh, different and Balsa, but you don't want to build it, this kind of breaks that gap or bridges that gap really nicely. So it's a PT-19, our classic trainer in the military uh, back in the day. And this thing comes out of the box again, Spectrum smart technology and four to six S compatible power. Uh, just an overall simple airplane, something you can definitely have some fun with flying sport or scale. And uh, out of the box, you've got a balsa aircraft. What, what could be better than that? So, really excited to see that come to the line. And again, I think more people will be excited to move up from their foam aircraft, maybe they're from their timber, to something that's balsa, uh, like the, like, like the PT 19. So, pretty cool. Yeah, I think, you know, when I see that airplane,
0: it's what I like. If I had to men, have a mental image of just a, a balsa airplane, like traditional, really good. Balsa airplane. That's what I would kind of have in my head. You know, it's, it just, it's beautiful to look at. It's, yeah, like you said, just a great next step. If you're, if you're wanting to go, go, you know, maybe beyond foam into, into Balsa. So Absolutely. yeah, beautifully done by the Hangar 9 team. Um, I have a few that I wanted to throw out there too. Um, first of all, uh, this was a couple of weeks ago, but the Arma team you know, part of what we think about is how do we get new people into the hobby? That's an important part as well. We want to make sure that we create a, a great place for people to get into the hobby and to get into that customer journey. And the Arma team uh, came out with a great product. It's called the Arma Boost platform. And there's, there's a few variants of it based on if you want more of a, a monster truck or a different kind of vehicle. And the cool thing with this, Steve, is, as you know, is it comes with two wheel drive out of the box. Um, that allows the customer with or without battery and charger, and that allows the customer to, to get a good vehicle um, that they can start out with at a lower price point. So removing that barrier to entry of price point and then but it, it gives them the opportunity once they're ready to buy the four wheel drive upgrade kit mm-hmm. and to be able to make it a four wheel drive vehicle without having to go buy a whole new vehicle. Um, The vehicle is also upgradable. So if you want to convert it to brushless and, you know, make it, you know, go from kind of mild to wild as you grow into it. But it's a a great platform that allows you to start off in the hobby, but to grow into the vehicle as your needs and your skills and maybe even your wallet allows (laughs) you to enjoy the hobby. So very cool. It shares a lot of parts with the existing mega line from from Mm -hmm. uh, Arma. So you, know, you should be able to find part support and, and support for it. At a lot of our retail partners out there, um, great product. If you're, again, if you're looking, if you're starting to think about holiday shopping and you yeah. have somebody that you want to get their first RC vehicle, uh, go look at the Arma Boost, check it out at your local hobby shop. Um, there, we've got some cool videos for it on the HH website, check it out there too. Um, but this is a great starting off product.
1: I was going to say the same thing, Chris. So you mentioned gift giving in this season. It, it that is the to me, and that's going to be my go-to uh, recommendation for getting into the RC car world, uh, and just a perfect gift. I mean, it's inexpensive. It gives the person a a, a path forward, and uh, it's still Arma tough. So you know what, right. what 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 more could you want? So super cool, Absolutely.
0: great accomplishment. Yeah, and speaking of right. Arma, just this week we announced the Arma the TLR tuned typhoon um, so again this is taking the, the the typhoon platform that people probably are aware of they know and love and then working with the tlr team it's got some upgraded parts on it that make it a great vehicle if you want to you know maybe go take it to your local track if you want that next level of performance uh, it's a great collaboration between the tlr the race team um, and, and Arma, really cool product. This just announced this week, certainly go out um, to hh.com, um, check out your local hobby store to learn all the great details. There's so much that they upgraded from the normal one that I, I won't go through all of it today, but I will just tell you if you're interested in that, um, it it's a great vehicle, especially if you're maybe a, you know, just a, a sportsman class racer. Um, although I know we've had a few of our higher end racers who have gone out and won some real races, you know, uh, running this vehicle. So it is very capable um Mm. and then the last thing i wanted to mention was uh also last week we announced and it's starting to ship this week but axial another big release from axial we had this at the Nursa convention last week but is the scx-6 honcho so uh, if you're familiar with the scx-6 we originally released the jlu wrangler um, the biggest vehicle that axial had ever created and the idea really with it is it's big enough that if you go camping or hiking or something like that, it's really much more capable to just go out and enjoy kind of the real world. You mm-hmm. don't have to have kind of a an environment that's a little more scale for say the 10th scale um, platform, but it it's big. So it kind of can just go trail out in the real world. We had the JLU Wrangler. The Honcho um, is very much like the original 10th scale Honcho. uh Again, more of a a truck front with the the cage bed. The detail on this truck is phenomenal. The the Axial team, Rich Trujillo, um, did an awesome job. It's got um, just a ton of scale detail and add-ons to it. Um, Again, can't even do it justice by uh, trying to go through all of it. Certainly go check it out um it's a great companion too Uh, i don't know why but there's some people out there who aren't jeep guys um but um, as a jeep owner i have to say that but if you're not a jeep guy or maybe you already have the jeep and now you want something else to to run with it the honcho is a great piece it comes in this really cool like reddish orange color that i'm just in love with um so check it out if you're interested
1: yeah, super cool release. It's good to see the SCX line extend even further and gives people that different option. And uh, I, listening to Rich talk about it in our sales training for our internal folks was really cool. Again, a super passionate individual who works with us. Uh, but he was like, guys, this thing just performs like no other because the body is, it's not a big Jeep body. It's this, you know, it's smaller right. uh, caged rear end. So you can put it in a lot more scenarios. And every time I've driven a, a six scale crawler like the SCX-6, it does, it does allow you to enjoy just big obstacles. Uh, yeah. and you're not worried about rolling over, over a two-inch rock. It's like I can actually go up this big hill and have a lot of fun with it. So, uh, yeah, super cool and exciting that they're shipping so quickly too. So that's really great. Uh, To see that heading out to our local retailers. uh, Yeah, in today's world where supply chain
0: is still an ongoing discussion and challenge, um, we're actually shipping this one a little earlier than we originally thought we would. So for everyone who has these on pre-order or has been thinking, hey, I'm going to order it once it's in, Mm -hmm. uh, now's your time. Very so cool. they are shipping. Uh, so if you have one on pre-order or, or go check it out at your local store, it is really something. If you see it in person, it, yeah. we talk about creating wow moments. It's a wow moment. It is just it's beefy. Yeah. Uh, it lives up, lives up to the part. So, yeah. all right. Well, we've talked enough. I think we need yeah. to get our our uh, guest in today. You know, as we said, this is certainly someone who has spent his life uh, in the hobby both as a as a member of the hobby and then ultimately making a career out of the hobby. So I think uh, rather than building it up, why don't we just bring him in?
1: All right. Sounds good, Chris. Let's get
0: right to it. Okay, Steve, I am really excited about today's guest. You know, the whole point of this little podcast we do is that because of Horizon, we get access to a lot of really cool people that are shaping the RC industry, that are contributors and members of the RC industry. And they are people that if you ran into them at your local track or your local flying field, um, with our guest today, you might run into him at a training club. I don't know. This guy has done everything. So, you know, <laughs> this is what we want to bring to people is not everybody may have the luxury or the, the luck of running into the, some of the people we have access to. And we want to have that conversation that I think our, our community and our followers would love to have if they had the opportunity. And today's guest, I think, absolutely exemplifies this. So we're going to jump in. Uh, today's guest is someone that I'm really proud to personally know. I know you are too, Steve, and someone who, oh, my goodness, that the impact this person has had on our industry is phenomenal. Um, he started off at a very young age. I think he would have had to to, to do as much RC as, as he has in his lifetime um, and started in slot cars even, uh, moved into airplanes, racing RC cars. And then in 1988, uh, you know, this person started, uh, he was hired by a little company, little startup company in Champaign, Illinois called Horizon Hobby. And uh, he worked in R&D there. That's actually where where he worked when I started at the company as well, and and still largely does. Um, Amazing accomplishments there. Then you fast forward to 2004. He was an integral part of the team who introduced this new technology to our industry called Spread Spectrum, 2.4 gigahertz technology, and this new brand, uh, Spectrum, and I don't know. You look back at it now, and it, it kind of felt feels like the industry changed overnight. I mean, we talk about just those those technology changes that just completely change the way people engage in something. Um, Spectrum is probably at the top of that list. Um, but that's not enough. He's also introduced technologies like SAFE, AS3X, AVC on the surface and side. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, people that follow our podcast, really excited today. To welcome our very own uh the legendary john adams to our podcast john it is great to uh, see you thank you for bringing us out of hiatus
2: welcome to the show that's uh quite an introduction there chris i uh, i don't know that's uh <laughs> quite an introduction thanks a lot that's about all i can say but uh, that's right. yeah, that's right. certainly... after that
0: we're out of time john uh no i'm just kidding
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so i have been extraordinarily fortunate uh, as you mentioned um, you know, my, my dad was slot car racing at about two years old, um, you know, kind of used to go over to the neighbor's house, they had a slot car track and got involved in that. And then my grandparents and my mom later would take me to a hobby shop, uh, you know, racing slot cars. And, you know, if I was good at the end of the day, they would, uh, allow me to pick out a model, generally a plastic model to start with. And then eventually, um, you know, some, uh, some airplane models, you know, balsa models and so on. And I would spend the next several days, uh, you know, building and flying or or, you know, that was just that was my dream. I mean, I just so much enjoyed my my childhood um, doing that. I mean, that's what it was about. And if I was really lucky, my grandparents would stop by the flying field um, and, you know, I get to talk to the guys that were flying RC or control line even back then. And, uh, you know, just that was my whole world. I mean, I just absolutely loved all all types of modeling from a very, very young age. So how do you
0: get that love of modeling? So obviously there's kind of the root of your passion. You know, how how does that then get you into flying model airplanes and then racing cars? And then, like I said, you know, starting to work in the industry, actually. How how does that happen from that passion at a a very young age to to kind of where you are now?
2: You know, I'm not sure what the driver was behind it. Um, You know, I was definitely exposed to some modeling at a very young age and just really took to it. Um, and then one of the things that personally interested me, you know, I, I really, and even to today, I absolutely love, you know, the, the racing and the flying and stuff, but what's even more interesting to me is the development of the product, how the product works, how to optimize the product and how to make it better. So I have every bit as much, you know, this is, this is part of my shop here. I'm actually in my shop this morning. And, you know, I spend a tremendous amount of time in my shop. So, you know, obviously at work, you know, we do work projects and at home, I do a lot of work projects and personal projects as well. So my personal interest um, lies probably even more so with optimizing, developing, you know, inventing uh, products. And then, you know, the proof of the pudding is to go out and to fly it, or especially in competitions like radio control car racing, for example you know, you have a direct comparison, you know, Hey, here's the product that I'm working on and you tweak it and you adjust it and you continuously make it better. That was just part of my DNA. I mean, I think everybody has their own unique characteristics and for whatever reason, you know, both good and bad, I have kind of an OCD towards um, trying to make things better and perfect if at all possible. So,
0: yeah, well, I think we do need to just comment on the fact that you are at your workshop as we before we kind of hit record here, you know, and I know, Steve, you've been over to, to John's, I do think legendary workshop as well. I mean, I, I think anybody we started doing the video version of this uh, uh, you know, fairly recently, I think, Steve, and I think anybody that's happening to watch this on video is probably struggling to listen as they try to look at all the cool stuff on the wall behind you there uh John and like you said that's only part of your your workshop you certainly have the ultimate man cave uh I think there so uh pretty neat.
1: Yeah
2: you were also asking about you know how this came about to Verizon. So um you know also when I was growing up, you know, there as as most kids didn't have a lot of money. So I also found that most of the things I was interested in I really needed to you know make myself or so you know I spent a lot of time like at radio shack and you know studying books on electronics and you know kind of scrounging through I mean I used to love to find old dustbusters because they had subsea batteries and 540 motors and that's what I would use you know to build cars and stuff with so you know kind of a lot of DIY tinkering um, you know by I didn't have much choice you know there wasn't a whole lot of money uh, which is kind of normal you know when you're a kid so but just really enjoyed that and then um, you know just became really interested in the car racing and the airplanes and so on and actually knew the founders of Horizon, uh, Rick Stevens and especially uh, Eric Myers, you know, flew and raced with Eric Myers. And, uh, you know, like you mentioned in uh, 1988, you know, I was asked to, uh, Eric said, hey, how about come join Horizon? And, uh, you know, at the time I was actually managing a store called K's Merchandise, you know, had a, you know, decent career going, you know, I thought, well, you know, this is neat, but, you know, Horizon had about 20 employees and I was like, is this really a good career move for me? talking <laughs> to my wife and she's like, well, you know, you can always go back to doing what you were doing. You know, this is what you really love. Um, let's go for it. And sure enough, we did. And uh, it's been, you know, for me, I've lived an absolutely amazing life. I'm probably one of the most fortunate people, you know, on, on the planet, to tell you the truth. I've been able to live my dream. I mean, the American dream has totally come true for me and uh, it's through horizon through doing, you know, the things I love. Um, yeah, it's, it's just been fantastic. It truly has. And horizon has been great. Um, you know, definitely one of the greatest places on earth to work for sure.
0: Well, I think Kay's merchandise closed a while back. So, John, I, I think at least they're probably a pretty good career move. But you're you're absolutely right. I think for, for those of us, and I know many of the people that listen to this podcast, too, are in the industry. They're, you know, some of our retail partners or they're, they're track owners or, um, you know, even if you don't get to live your life, it is it is pretty amazing. Yeah. To be able to live live the American dream, live your
2: passion out is, is a pretty special gift. So it's amazing. You yes. mentioned just to, just before this, we started this podcast, and that is one of the most fantastic things about being part of Horizon. Uh, you know, I'm the director of technology. I was hired as a research and development manager, engineering manager for a while. Now I'm the director of technology. Um, the most, one of the neatest things is the resources that we have, as far as the the people that we have to be able to pull information from. You know, not only the internal people. You know, we've got absolutely some of the Best pilots, some of the best model designers, some of the best or the best engineers in the entire industry. And you know, there's always little things you're trying to do and accomplish, and you can't quite get it figured out. We have such resources available to us, not only internally, but then we have a vast array of team folks. Um, that, you know, and, and frequently, you know, I'm working with these folks you know, literally daily. I mean, literally hourly. In fact, I had three meetings this morning before this, you know, speaking, speaking with engineering and our product developers and just the resources that we have to be able to pull things together to, um, you know, accomplish some of these neat projects that we work on. In addition, a lot of these people that I'm talking about, they are, you know, you were talking about my history with RC. You know, if you talk to them, it's basically the same kind of thing, you know, a little different path here and there, but their commitment to this and their engagement in this hobby is incredible. Um, you know, I know, you know, to give you an example, this weekend, uh, we're, we're filming this actually on a Thursday, but this weekend, so early um, Saturday morning, I'm going to get up. I have I, one of my hobbies, you know, this is the RC thing is not really beyond a hobby, I shoot long rifle, uh, long range rifle competitions. So this Saturday morning, I'm going to get up early, go to Chillicothe. Uh, I have a master shoot in. And then from there, I'm going to go. There's a flying field like 10 miles literally from the range we go to. So I'm going to, go to the, you know, get up early, get to this place about seven in the morning, about 11 o'clock. I'll go to the flying field in Peoria, fly with those guys. And then for a couple hours, then there's another on the way home. There's another flying field in Pekin. I'm going to stop there. And then um, at the end of the day, they have a drag race uh, that they race every Saturday night down in Decatur. I started uh, last week was the first time I went drag racing. So um, with radio control cars. So, you know, I'll likely go there. And then, you know, on Sunday, I'm going to be at the Flying Field in Danville. So that's absolutely what I love. And I love most it. you No, know, it's out of hand. It really is. But what I love most about it is meeting these people. Right. You know, Like to go to these large events, you know. You see a lot of people. I even more enjoy going to just local, you know, local flying fields, local race tracks, um, local events. You know, you meet all kinds of people. Um, You know, some of them are brand new, and I just love to talk to them and hear what their experiences are. Most importantly, I love to see the smiles on their face and how much they're enjoying what they're doing. It's it's incredible for me to see that. And then also to know that I work in an industry and have been part of that with some of the development stuff. It is so neat for me to watch somebody fly with a spectrum radio or somebody, you know, the the smart stuff. You know, we now have all the smart technology, you know, charge smart batteries and all the telemetry information and AS3X. And, you know, to see beginners learn with smart, you know, it's just absolutely amazing. And it's just, you know, I'm so you know, it's, it's kind of emotional, you know, seeing these people do this, and to know that I had a part in it. So that's what absolutely turns me on about this hobby, and you know, <laughs> keep going back every weekend. <laughs> that's yeah. right. That's right. So see John on the road if you're going to be in
0: Chillicothe, Peoria, or Decatur. Um, you you can see, no, and that's every weekend. So yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, John, I, I want to get into your hobbies later, and I know there's so much to talk about here. As you kind of you kind of unpack things with you and. The the first thing I think we want to jump on is is two point four right two point four really like Chris said changed the industry overnight effectively um, it allowed us to do things that we've never done before in the RC world we have events like Joe Nall where there's a thousand radios on at the time um, it, it all that wasn't possible before and I, and I know you lived in an era where that certainly wasn't possible I grew up in the RC at the tail end of that from the, you know, the 72 megahertz days. And I remember losing airplanes because somebody turned their radio on in the pits. And, um, you know, nowadays, that's never occurred to me since, you know, I was a kid, I still have that memory of losing my grandfather's brand new uh, plane because somebody turned their radio on in the pits on its first flight. That stuff just doesn't happen anymore. So uh, obviously that, you know, 2.4 changed the industry. Tell it us did. a little bit about what it was like going through the launch process Absolutely. development of it and kind of that experience because you were on the the ground floor and then you go from one day it's 72 megahertz and people are dropping airplanes out of the sky.
2: And then the next day things are much, much improved. Yeah. I would, in fact, that out of all the things I've done, that's probably what I'm most proud of. Um, that was, uh, incredible, an incredible time to live through. So I'll give you, I'll, and I'll try to keep this as short as, as practical. Um, so in the uh, early 90s, you know, uh, it's pretty easy to identify, you know, you go to a car race or whatever, you know, everybody's using um, narrowband single channel um, transmitters. And if two people turn on on the same frequency, you know, game over, bad hair day, um, they, they won't operate. Uh, not only that, but interference from the vehicles themselves cause interference to 72 and 75 megahertz. So, um, you know, the, we always thought there's got to be a better way. And in the early 1990s, you know, I was doing some research and found, hey, you know, the military has all kinds of stuff that they control, and how are they able to do that? So I found out about, you know, spread spectrum technology and, you know, what that's about and studied it. You know, it was invented by Hedy Lamarr many, many years ago, and, uh, you know, the military was actively using it. So, you know, I, I um, we were working with JR at the time and kind of put together a proposal and met with JR and some folks at... Uh, at Nuremberg Toy Show and proposed, you know, hey, we should really pursue this. Had no idea what it would take to do it and so on. And, you know, the JR folks basically said, you know, it could never happen. 2.4 gigahertz just doesn't make sense, blah, blah, blah. And so, um, but, you know, man, I was always pushing. I thought, man, this is going to change the world. If we can do this, this is going to change radio control like nobody's business. And in the, you know, I'm going to get these dates wrong, but roughly in the Middle 90s, late 90s, I found out that there was a guy in Atlanta that actually had a system. He was flying miniature aircraft, XL helicopters on 2.4 gigahertz spread spectrum. And I got a hold of this guy. And sure enough, you know, it's a real deal. to Talk to him. He sent me a videotape. And sure enough, he's, you know, the videotape, apparently he's doing this. However, you know, the equipment was huge. You know, he had a box sitting on the ground with a cable that goes to his transmitter you know, I saw the um, video of what it looked like in the helicopter. I mean, it's huge, took a bunch of batteries, pretty impractical. And, you know, so, but, but hey, you know, the technology's working. And so just started talking to him and, uh, you know, got pretty excited about it. It did the things we wanted to. Unfortunately, the technology cost a fortune and, you know, it's very large. You know, we wouldn't be able to put that into a transmitter. Um, nobody would buy it. And it's so huge, it's just impractical. But anyway, worked with this guy for several weeks and uh, you know, was kind of figuring it out. And after about maybe four or five weeks of conversation, I got this call from somebody and said, is this John Adams from Verizon Hobby? And I said, yes. And he said, I understand you've been in contact with, so I'm not going to mention the guy's name, but this guy that's doing this development. And I said, yes, that's correct. And this guy said he's from some government agency, and I don't remember which one, and that you know, the information he has been sharing is classified information. You know, it's top <laughs> and uh, you know he actually Nucent no. Technologies. And he's under contract, and if I talk to him again, you know, I'd be in a lot of trouble. Basically, you know, I'm going to go to prison if, if he said you, you're, you absolutely cannot talk to this guy anymore. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> so um, you know, there went that. Um, then I started thinking, well, you know, who can help us get through this? So I contacted several RF engineering houses, and you know, they really. Talked to him a bit and it just wasn't, this wasn't going to happen. Finally, there was an RF engineering house that got a hold of me and they said, uh, you know, Hey, we have this. We have an engineer that loves flying radio control airplanes. He's got a glider and it's working really well. And the, the, this place was in Indiana. And uh, so I said, wow, that's really cool. And they said, well, we'd like to do a demo. And I said, well, you know, that's really neat. And I said, you know, how sure are you that this all works and everything's good? He goes, oh, no problem. Send us a video. Everything looked good. And so I ended up working with the executives at Horizon. At the time, it was Rick Stevens and uh, um, Eric Myers. And we set up a um, meeting with JR of Japan. You know, basically the executives from JR of Japan came over to have a meeting. And with these folks from this engineering house, and we were going to do a demonstration. So everybody got together um, from, you know, all over the, all over the world. And they, we had about a two hour meeting, basically describing the technology. Um, We had this installed in a helicopter. You know, the folks came down the night before we put it in a helicopter, never flew the helicopter. You know, we were confident this was going to work or those guys were confident it was going to work. And um, so we, uh, um, you know, we had this meeting and then it's, okay, let's go out and out back, let's test flight in a helicopter. So we started the helicopter, set the helicopter down, you know, hovered it a little bit, flew it around for about thirty seconds, and the thing just went out of control and crashed into a million pieces. <laughs> and uh, you know, my thought was, oh boy, <laughs> um, you know, I'm probably not gonna, you know, may lose my job over this one. So, uh, you know, we kind of packed everything up, and I ended up going to lunch with the guys from this from this place, while the JR people stayed back at Horizon had a pretty somber, um, lunch meeting basically. And, you know, had a pretty big failure. Um, and then came back and, you know, the JR guy, sees, said, you know, see, I told you this just will not work. And, uh, so, um, in any case, fortunately, you know, Rick and the executives at horizon, um, you know, allowed me to continue to work in here. We'd spent a lot of time, a lot of money on this, but, uh, um, you know, I felt really horrible. I really did. But still, I knew this was my dream. I knew That if we crack this nut, this is gonna change the world. So, um, you know, some time passed and we found out about this guy named Paul Beard. So, Paul Beard also was a crazy nut modeler. He loved sailboating, high end radio control sailboats, and he loved radio control helicopters. So, um, you know, we got, and he was advertising that he had a system, a module that was available that you could put in the back of your, you know, JR, Futaba you know, name the brand high-tech radio and a receiver and your model, and you could go fly or race or whatever. And so we got a hold of this guy and sure enough, he had a legitimate product. I mean, he really did. And so, you know, Paul Beard is this brilliant, you know, mad scientist guy. For any of you that have met him, you know, you guys have all been around him. He's crazy, sure. man. So, uh, but, you know, he was, uh, he, he started a company and, uh, the UK or England, and he sold the company to Cypress Semiconductor. Went to work for Cypress Semiconductor, developing radio chips for the 2.4 gigahertz um, radio spectrum systems. So unquestionably, he's an expert in this field. So um, we got a hold of him. The technology would operate, but it had limited range, and we were trying to figure out well, what can we do with this? You know, it's got pretty limited range. So you know, the, the thought was well, you know, if you have lemons, turn into lemonade. And we did. So we marketed the first ones to RC cars. So keep in mind, RC cars, you don't go that far away. And so I think it was in about 2002, I may be getting these dates wrong. They had the world championships for on-road racing in Kissimmee, Florida. And um, the guy that was in charge of running those, that um, that whole race was Bob Novak, who was good friends with Horizon. I personally was good friends with the guy, been to his house and uh, been on his boat several times and we did a lot of business with him so i got a hold of bob and said hey bob if we can get this fcc approved can we come down there and run 2.4 gigahertz spread spectrum um, at this race and he said well yeah as long as it's fcc approved well it wasn't fcc approved at that point so um, i flew down to Kissimmee with about 30 modules and 30 receivers that people could plug into the back of their transmitters and the fcc approval came the day before the race started it was faxed to me. I gave it to Bob Novak, handed out about 25 systems to our, you know, friendly race folks, the LOSI folks and so on. They were racing on raid right back then. And, uh, you know, they raced it and it worked flawlessly. And, you know, that was that was the first time it was actually shown in public. And then, of course, we came out with a um, with a uh, park flyer system, the DX6. And then about a year later, the technology advanced where we could actually increase the power system. Um, so we had full range and then we introduced full range radios and, you know, and as they say, the rest is history. You know, that was the very beginning of the spectrum brand. The neat thing was, is, you know, within a year, we probably had 90 to 95% of the new sales market with transmitters. You know, why would you buy the old technology when this new technology, you could turn on anytime you want, you're not going to get interference. You know, it was just, it absolutely superseded what was out there. And of course we had patents and so on for this technology. And uh, so that kind of prevented some of our competitors from, you know, jumping right in there. You know, eventually about two years later, you know, we had you know a bunch of folks jumping into the 2.4 gigahertz bandwagon. And now, of course, that's all you see. So that is kind of a lengthy description <laughs> of, of how it came about and, and my involvement. But it was neat. It was the neatest time, you know, that I've ever had throughout my career. Um, you know, we were, uh, at the time we were also, um, you know, we would work like we would try to, um, get the top pilots, top car racers in the country to use the stuff. And, you know, we had like Alan Zabo, tremendously uh, talented helicopter pilot, won the XFC. I think it was two, if not three years in a row using our equipment and, you know, advertise that. And Jason Null also won the aircraft division in XFC, um, a couple of times we, you know, we won a bunch of car races and then, you know, promoted that Paul Beard and I were traveling to different events around the country and, you know, promoting and showing people how this stuff works. And so anyway, that's the, (laughs) it's kind of, yeah. I mean, it it wasn't that long ago, right? It was, it was 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 still,
1: it feels like it's just part of the world today, but it wasn't really that long ago when, when all everything was so much different and it's, I'm sure the listeners find it interesting to kind of see how it came to be. And, you know like most great innovations there's always some sort of failure before it becomes a product uh like most great successes there are failures before that so it's kind of interesting to hear the the story of the crash helicopter in front of all the all the executives and the JR team and yeah but that's it's awesome to see where it's come from and i and i do remember the days of the of the first spectrum radios and uh, how popular at that time i guess i was I was working at a hobby shop in high school, wow. um, but you know, at, at that time, it was wow. This is really neat. Check this out, and and everyone started going and seeing the benefits immediately. And that to me is also a mark a mark of success when the consumers say, "Wow, this is a huge difference. This is so much better. I can't not have this." Uh, so it was quite the innovation for sure. So, well,
2: congrats on that. That's it's it's, it's, oh, it's, it's a incredible. cool story to hear for sure. Yeah, I the go to most flying fields or racetracks now, nobody knows the difference. Nobody knows what it used to be like. You know, I can remember going to the early days of Urcha, you know, and back in those days they had like five or 600 people or even maybe a little less. And you'd have to wait like, you know, like six hours to get your clip and then you can have your clip for 15 minutes. And so if you were lucky, you'd fly once or twice per day. And uh, you know you had to turn your transmitter in, and so it was just, man, just amazing. It just changed the world overnight. And uh, I am just so you know so proud and happy to be a part of that. I mean, that was so cool. Um, it, just amazing, amazing times.
1: Do you when when it comes to the other thing, So obviously, two point four was huge. When it uh, you know we have ABC, save AS three X. Talk a little bit about. You don't have to go quite into detail sure. with these, but you know you were a part of that, being on the R and D team. Um, you know, I think the 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 onset of AS3X was kind of the the first as far as AS3X safe ABC. Um, you know, talk a little bit about that because I think it was one of those where we. I almost feel like because we we are in the Midwest, wind is a really big factor. Yeah. And so it almost makes sense that AS3X was created because we're in such a windy environment all the time. But I I know that's not the exact story, but that's kind of the funny way I like to think about it. But I'd love to hear your rendition of, you know, the transition from AS3X to safe and then eventually obviously bringing on AVC into the market for cars.
2: Of course, um, you know, the difference. So, you know, when I first started flying models, the uh, learning to fly an airplane, my goodness, you know, it was quite a chore. And so... You know, I would train people in the early days, and if they were lucky, you know, maybe after the summer was over, they were able to fly an airplane. So, you know, we pretty early on recognized that, and a lot of people dropped out before they got there. So, um, you know, they went a couple times, ended up crashing their airplane. Well, it just isn't for me. So we realized there's got to be a better way. So throughout Horizon's history, Horizon has constantly been focused on, you know, what can we do to improve the experience, especially the beginner, so that they can get over that hump of where they can, where they can fly. And um, that's especially where SAFE comes in. So, you know, for the people out there listening that are pilots that have tried SAFE and especially if they learn on SAFE, they know exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't tried it, you know, literally. So to give you an example, two years ago, approximately two years ago, we had a Boy Scout troop of about 12 people out at Eli Field and uh, we had three guys with airplanes. It was myself, Dustin, and I think it was, Pete, uh, um, our uh, video guy, Pete, Pete, Pete Holy, yeah, Pete Holy, yeah, Pete Holy, right. And so, uh, so this is this is the truth. These guys have never flown an airplane in their entire life, and of course, it was very interesting to them. So we each had apprentices. We had three apprentices, and you know, everybody that I took off, took up, they were able to literally by the end of the flight, take off and land after the first flight successfully. Now they weren't all hitting the middle of the runway. Sometimes they're out slightly in the grass, but they weren't damaging the airplane. And, you know, generally on the second flight, I would turn safe off and then they could see, whoa, you know, this is kind of slippery. Let me do a roll. Let me do a loop and, you know, but let's flip safe back on and they're back into their comfortable mode. So, you know, we, we dreamed about having that kind of experience for our customers. And, you know, the way that we came about it, we had some really smart people. Uh, of course, David Ribby, who left us quite some time ago, also, you know, he was, he was totally signed up for this program. And then we had an engineer that was really good at understanding um, flight controls, IMUs and so on. And so working through that, Mike McConnell was here at the time also, and working through all that, you know, we came up with AS3X, which is basic stability, which like you said, it makes the airplane more stable Um, all the time and you know it's better in all cases and then the safe makes it even easier so you know i fly in fact if you look i've got a turbine jet that i'm working on here's a little mini uh, k45 turbine i'm doing a micro turbine right now so i fly all kinds of airplanes giant scale and so on and the thing is is i put gyros in everything and or gyros i put as3x in everything and I usually have safe activated because occasionally I'll get out pretty far. Or you know, it's, Hey, I can't quite see the airplane. I flip into safe. It brings itself right side up, straight and level, and you know where you're at and you're ready to go It reorients you. So, um, but yeah, the, the process of getting there, um, fortunately, you know, we had some really smart engineers and, uh, we came through with that. And then of course we applied it to AVC, um, which is for cars. So, um, you know, that, that becomes a pretty big deal too. So, you know, there's still, we get a hold of some of the old timers, you know, I was talking to a guy the other day, "Ah, you don't need no gyro, you don't need no ABC, Mm -hmm. you don't need no, you know, and so it's like, man, you really ought to try this. And it has introduced tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people into radio control and they're able to be successful, you know, really early on. And, and it's, some people say it's a crutch. No, it's not. It's a uh, it's a training aid that yeah. will get you in the air faster, more safely. And you know, turn it off and try it without it, and then you have you know the partial mode. You know, the, and so yeah, no, a tremendous, tremendous uh, technology.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can yeah. easily say. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah.
0: Oh, I was just going to say it is. It's amazing too. I mean, you mentioned a little bit even the impact of AVC. I mean, you see now what some of these ARMA customers are doing with these speed run vehicles and things like that you know, we, we've driven those, I've worked with the Arma team even directly, and it's almost undrivable. I mean, without some, it's just like, if you were driving a a sports car, you know, you wouldn't drive it without any sort of, you know, traction control or, or driving aids like that in a, even, you know, even a a sports car has, has help in today's modern age. Now, maybe if you're driving something from the sixties, but (laughs) it it doesn't, but it's, it's kind of, why wouldn't you, have that sort of launch control, you know, in in performance cars today and things like that, all that sort of stuff that, you know, we've been able to replicate utilizing that basis of really back to AS3X, um, which then was really kind of what we built upon the original, you know, that was the companion piece really once you had Spectrum, right? So you have Spectrum, then you can build all these, you know, gyro-based technologies, AS3X, then uh, safe than ABC. It's it's phenomenal. And being the person who, by far, has the least amount of flying skills on, on this uh, conversation, I wouldn't even think about flying probably with without safe. It is nice to have have the help there when you need it. And I'm not proud, so um, I'd, I'd rather have a little help and not have to do the walk of shame to get my airplane, you know, from from a, a pile if I crash it. So it's good, you know. I think. That makes me think a little bit, John, you know, we've, you touched on a little bit ago, this idea that, you know, we we really focus on trying to make that customer experience always better. I know Eric Myers always used to talk about the struggle to fun ratio that, you know, some of the progression of the hobby is getting better. And that's part of the fun is you get better at it. But if it's too much of a struggle, it's just frustrating and you want to quit. And um, I, I think that's always been a great, you know, like a tool for me as we think about things is like, well, how does this impact the struggle to fund ratio? What do you see that the hobby needs next or that you're most excited about that's really going to, you know, move that customer experience forward? And I will predicate this on, you know, with your job in R&D, you're probably working on some things that we shouldn't talk about today. We'll have you back when you can talk about them. But of the things you can talk about today, uh, what, what are the things you're excited about or you feel the hobby needs next to really make that customer experience
2: forward? So the thing which we've you know recently released and continue to develop, of course, is the um, the smart systems. so yes, you know I mean that is tremendously beneficial for those of you that haven't tried it. So you know anymore if I fly an airplane that doesn't have smart, I feel like I'm missing something. you know um, you know the first obvious benefit is it tells you the condition of your battery in flight. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so you're not running out of batteries. Um, you know, it tells you everything that you would ever want to know. You know, anything you can imagine, including things like altitude, you know, RPM, um, temperature of the, of the uh, speed controller, um, you know, on and on. Anything you can imagine, um, it, it gives you that information. Um, but, mo- you know, including... When you plug the battery in, and I've done these dopey things. I pull a battery out of the airplane. I go talk to one of my buddies. I stick another battery in, and it's like, uh, whoops, I got the wrong one. You know, it's it's I right. put the one in that I just used. And so, you know, the smart system says, it doesn't, you know, says, hey, dummy, you got the wrong battery in. You know, like, <laughs> it doesn't say that. But actually, you could program it to say that on the iX radio. You know what? <laughs> Maybe that's what I should do. Hey, dummy. Uh, slightly. And so, but you know, what it tells you is, Hey, the battery that you just put in here is not ready to fly. And, right. you know, it saved my butt. You know, I was at the nationals at the helicopters, uh, nationals several years ago. And I, I did just that. I stuck a battery in that wasn't fully charged
1: and oh, wow. this was
2: well before safe. And this is at the nationals and, um, you know, in a national competition. And, uh, so, you know, sure enough, couple minutes into the flight, I'm landing, you know, and not completing a flight, taking a zero for that round. So, you know, it it happens. So, uh, so, and so what I can tell you is that smart. Ecosystem is growing and increasing, you know, right now drag racing is seems like it's becoming fairly popular. And so Mm -hmm. we're incorporating some new functions and features that'll be appropriate with speed controllers and so on in drag racing. You know, I can't tell you specifically what it's about because it's confidential. And you guys know that we've been working on a project that, you know, and I, I definitely can't, we can't tell. That's right. It. I know what you're
0: leaning towards, John. And yes, you're, you're right, but we'll have you back. How about I promise to have you back when we can talk about this? Cause people are going to want to hear about it. So we'll tease yeah, sometime gonna, here in the future about having John back
2: to talk about something that is awesome. We've got some awesome. We've been working on for three and a half years. So, and that's all I can say. And that is, that's going to open up a whole, you know, a whole nother category of radio control. We're super excited about that. These guys have both experienced it. And uh, there's been a lot of hard work from some very smart people that has gone into this. Um, we've, you know, just we're applying for patents right now. So, um, but yeah, very exciting stuff. So, yeah, I, I think your comment
0: about smart and the smart ecosystem, John, is right on. I mean, my, my personal feeling on that is it's not quite the, obvious change that going from you know crystals to 2.4 was but i believe in the long run as people experience and get it it has the same level of impact as going to 2.4 i mean when you just think about i love the fact i'm using the g2 uh stuff for all 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 of my cars i think i have one g1 battery left but the g2 chargers i mean i love that you just plug the battery into it there's no balance lead it's you know the one one thing you plug in it tells you what it's doing and it just goes i mean it's like plugging your phone in to charge it or plugging a laptop or any consumer electric device and and it charges it quickly it charges it efficiently it makes sure the cells are balanced and like you said i don't have to worry about oops i accidentally set the you know the charge rate it you know i don't have to calculate well what is 3 what's 3 times current rate yeah. on my you know, on this battery, it just, it's going to do what it needs to do to make sure that battery is charged quickly, safely, and the battery is healthy. I mean, it is just such an amazing experience. I mean, I, maybe I geek out on it a little more than the average RC customer, but I don't know that I do. It's really cool. I love the little, you know, the the chargers have the nice little fuel gauge across the top. So it's, it's just like charging your phone. You know, you look at it and you're like, oh, it's about 80% charged. Oh,
2: another 10 minutes until it's done. It's just so good. So good. The thing that's cool about it that, that uh, you didn't mention was it also has automatic storage. So right, you know, one of the things that, you know, the worst possible thing you can do is fully charge your battery and then let it sit fully charged, especially if it's in your, you know, if it's, if it's in a hot environment for a lengthy period of time. So the way that um, the smart system works is if you can program the time, you know, and let's say I use 72 hours after 72 hours, if the battery is not used, It will self-discharge itself through this PC circuit board that's built into the battery to a safe storage level. And that is incredible. That has saved me so many times, you know, with the life of the battery. So I have, you know, smart batteries that are three years old that are still performing at nearly top performance because of that. So and so, you know, we've got a lot more things to come that we're working on incorporating. So, um, you know, that smart ecosystem it's, we're starting to fill it out, but there's still a lot more interesting things that, that are on the in the works. So,
0: Yeah, it does seem like we definitely, again, it, even going from the first generation to the second generation was such a leap forward. I know, like you said, a lot of things that you're working on um, for, for various categories and customers. Even, you know, one of the other things we didn't talk about, certainly on the car side, um, maybe not so much in crawling, but in almost the, all the rest of cars, you know, the number one thing people want to know how fast am I going? Absolutely. And if you're using your, you know, your DX five or, or any of the, the radios with a display and you've got the, the um, full telemetry system set up, yep. it answers that question. You can just, you know, look down at your controller while you're driving. It's cool to know, Oh, I'm going 62 miles an hour or 43 miles an hour. Or, you know, I, I didn't want to say how fast some of the Arma guys are going with these uh, speedrun cars, but you know, there's three numbers, three digits in their speed. You know, it's, it's, yeah. It's wild, but that's, you know, when you talk about making, you know, uh, expanding the experience, that's the number one question a car guy has. How fast am I going? That's right. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's very cool. I do feel better about it too. I mean, I think about some of the old speed runs people would do and you would see people like uh, strapping their, uh, their, their cell phone, their iPhone <laughs> with a GPS, you know, uh, sensor in it or app in it and then driving these cars a hundred miles an hour. I always thought, Oh, that's, that's a good
2: way to lose a good phone. Quick Um, stopwatch. And he knows that Hey, I I hit this expansion crack in the road here and I hit this one here and it takes me, you know, two seconds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's well, yeah, it's crazy.
0: So, I mean, so much good stuff. We could probably do a whole, we we should have you back a third time just to talk about all the cool stuff that smart does, John. but uh, it, it is amazing. And I, I like I said, I believe that in the long run, SMART will be as impactful to our hobby as as Spectrum originally was with 2.4. Yeah. Um, it's, it's phenomenal, everything it adds. So, well, we're going to shift gears a little bit here. And um, I want to talk to you. I want to hear a little bit because actually I haven't had a chance to talk to you in person. But uh, Labor Day weekend, we were asked to oh, yeah. participate in, in an event. With NASCAR, we, we work with Front Row Motorsports. A lot of our listeners are probably aware of that. Michael McDowell and Zane Smith and Todd Gilliland and the entire Front Row Motorsports team, um, they asked us to pick someone for Labor Day to really highlight um, you know, labor and, and employee. And, and by now, I think anybody that's listening to this understands, but we chose you to represent Horizon Hobby. And I, I really feel like the hobby industry as a whole. I mean, we talk about people who you said it earlier, you know, you're, you're living your life's dream. Um, and you've made it, you know, your, your life's work. Um, it was pretty easy to, to have you highlighted. So you, you got a pretty cool experience. I would call it like kind of the ultimate VIP experience, um, at the NASCAR race. Tell us a little bit about that whole experience. Like I said, I haven't really had
2: a chance to hear it all from you. So I'll hear it live with everybody else. Well, first off, it was a real honor to be uh picked. So, um, they had the, uh, the Darlington NASCAR race. Uh, so my wife, by the way, is a motorsports nut, as am I, but my wife is <laughs> even more so. So much so that we generally plan the weekends around, you know, wins the race and can we watch it on TV or we go to, you know, several Supercross and we go to several races a year. So she was super excited to go as well. But we got the, uh, the true VIP treatment, um, you know, with Michael McDonald, car number 34, Michael McDowell, um, car number 34. And of course, uh, just what an unbelievable experience! Uh, one of the most notable, memorable things for me is about an hour and a half before the race started, um, we got to my wife and I got to ride with um, Terry Labani. I don't know if you guys—you guys probably knew. Oh, Terry. really? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know Around that. Around the track in the pace car, uh, several laps, and in oh, fact, I with him, um, and so he was, um, you know, describing. His history there, that was the first NASCAR race that he won, was at Darlington. And, you know, he was describing, you know, hey, in this turn, you got to be here and you got to, you need, know, you, you have a bump here and the, it unloads here. <laughs> I mean, it was so cool. You know, what's such, such a cool guy. And uh, so, I mean, that was really neat. But the whole wow. experience, you know, we got the chance during the race to sit behind the crew chief and, you know, up on the box and, you know, sit there and watch the race and, you know, with the headset on, with the communication with the team. And uh, in addition, you know, we get to see the, the video monitors that show how, where everybody's placed and how they did one lap versus the next lap and so on. Plus, you know, we went through all their trailers, uh, talked to their marketing folks, uh, talked to several of the engineers, um, you know, talked to uh, Michael as well quite a bit. And, uh, you know, just, just welcomed with open arms you know we had uh catered in um food lunch and so you know got the chance to walk through the pit area and pretty much just open access to everything so it was an unbelievable experience just and man i sure appreciate um horizon for uh, allowing us that opportunity um you know it's really cool to go to races but to get you know the behind the scenes scoop vip treatment is just a whole different level Also, it made me realize, you know, what you, what you think's going on with the racing and the strategy, and then what's actually going on is very different. And the, you know, it's really data driven. I mean, big time, every single lap is very, very, um, scrutinized. And then that determines what, you know, Hey, what we're going to do on the next lap and on the next pit stop and so on. So, um, definitely had a, a deeper appreciation for, um, what racing was about. I know Steve and I, I think both you guys have. These races, but yeah, it was yeah. incredible. My wife absolutely loved it, um, <laughs> you know. Which you know, I expected. She's she's just a nut about motorsports. So, what an extremely awesome experience. Yeah. Well, yeah, very man. cool.
0: I, I hadn't heard that you got to ride with Terry lebani That's, that's a, yeah, that's definitely a memorable moment. Yeah. I'm a little jealous. I'll admit it. Um, but, uh, no, very cool. And, and, you know, John, it was really easy. You know, we wanted to pick someone who really represented what the RC community is all about. And, uh, I'm, I'm, glad you guys were able because you changed some personal plans to go to this i'm glad cool. you were able to do so and it sounds like it was probably worth it so um it was a really our honor though so you know we're we're appreciative that that uh you know you went and represented us and i like I said i really feel like the, the rc industry um and and had some fun doing it too so uh our pleasure and and uh, very cool experience yeah, yeah it was really
2: cool most definitely Awesome.
1: Well, John, I know you mentioned it earlier, and I said we would get back to it. So I want to jump in, and, and like most hobbyists, we don't just have one hobby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have probably too many. Uh, talk us a little bit about your other stuff, the other stuff that you're passionate about. You said long range shooting. Yeah. Um, you know, there's. I know there's a lot more to uh, to that. To John Adams, it's not. He's not just the RC guy. Talk a little bit about uh, your other hobbies that you're into lately. So I love mountain biking. So I don't know if you
2: guys were aware of that. No uh, I also, That's a new one for me, John. I <laughs> also love building bicycles. So about every, I don't know, three or four years, I'll, you know, buy a custom frame and uh, build. In fact, I've got, I, I, I own five bikes. I mean, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of out of control, but I personally own five bicycles. Um, but uh, so I custom build, you know, I buy a frame, you know, have it fitted to my specifications and, you know, buy all the independent components and assemble them. Um, And then, you know, love the mountain bike. I go over to uh, Kickapoo, used to do a lot of road biking with my wife. Um, I've become a little nervous about that lately because, you know, distracted drivers. Been a few of my friends that have had some close calls and I've even had a close call or two. So um, pretty much sticking to off road. Um, But yeah, I go over to Kickapoo, uh, which is about 35 miles from here. Uh, You know, typically I go two or three times a week, sometimes, you know, after work and then definitely on the weekends. So that's that's a lot of fun. Um, you know, I mentioned, I do NRL and PRS, which is National Rifle League and Precision Rifle Series, long range rifle shooting. It's actually very popular here in the Midwest. Um, so I've been doing that for several years. Um, you know, it's kind of a distraction from RC. Oddly enough, though, usually when I go, I do take models with me and I find <laughs> a, a, a flying fields in the Midwest here anyway, there are flying fields everywhere. And, you know, I usually just look up, you know, where's it gonna be the closest flying field, um you know and so I, I go to indiana quite a bit um usually you know drive two or three hours to the event and then after the event hang out at the flying field for a while and then drive back home so really enjoy doing that um, those are my primary other things that i do um, but you know i just love building and love anything mechanical or electronic um you know like i said it, i've got a basement here set up for you know got a lay the mill, pretty much a full machine shop um So, and, you know, study um, mechanical technology in school, and then, you know, started into mechanical engineering in college. And so just, that's my, that's my passion is building and uh, making and modifying. And so, yeah, so those types of things, um, definitely, definitely yeah,
0: very cool. Well, John, you, obviously you've, you've, uh, you know, come a long way since Kay's merchandise. So and uh, and you know, been able to really enjoy the, the RC hobby, both as a consumer an enthusiast, and enthusiast and made a career out of it. If somebody's listening to this podcast and they say, Man, I want to be like, John, um, what advice would you give to somebody maybe, you know, starting out, um, that maybe wants to get and make, make the RC industry, you know, their career and maybe ultimately get into to research and development, you know, um, a path similar to you. How, how would, what advice would you give them?
2: Boy, well, for sure. Um, so focus on especially electronics. So any schooling you can get education, you can get regarding electronics, um, you know, anything to do with uh, computers, computer software, mechanical, um, you know, but first off, be sure it's a passion. So, you know, if, if it's your passion. So we've certainly got people in here, too, that, you know, it really wasn't their thing. And then, it's you know, it's simply a job. Um, if RC is your passion, the ultimate place to work in the world is Horizon Hobby. Because of many of the things that we, uh, you know, that we talked about over the past 45 minutes or so. Um, but um, there and there are certainly you know, there have been a lot of openings and, you know, stick with it and uh, get as much experience as you can. Read as much as you can about the RC or, you know, YouTube videos and so on. Um, and, you know, just stick with it and, you know, your dreams can become true no matter what you want to be. That's the neat thing that um, I see. So I get the chance to work with, you know, some of the greatest manufacturers, you know, like Pops Losi. Unfortunately, Pop Lossi passed a couple weeks ago. You know, I've known him forever and Gil Jr. I work with Gil Jr. Talk to him a couple times a week. Um, You know, the people that I work with, they're also living their dreams. I get to work with some really smart people. And the reason that they're in the positions they're in is because they had a tremendous passion and they stuck with it and they believed in themselves. And there are just tremendous opportunities for, for people, no matter what industry you're involved in, but especially in the hobby. The radio control hobby um, has just so many creative folks. The fact that, you know, the things like aerodynamics, I mean, we touch all kinds of different um, segments. You know, we have people that are, you know, Danny Snyder has a degree in aerodynamics. Um, You know, we've got uh, computer programmers. We've got, you know, all kinds of stuff, mechanical people and people that write code and just, you know, so... You know, if there's any particular interest that you're interested in, you can focus on those areas. But um, certainly there's opportunity um, for you big time, no matter where you're at. But I am fortunate enough to be able to work with a lot of these really smart people that are very engaged and very passionate about what they're doing. And for me, it's really exciting. And, you know, it's an honor and a privilege for me to work with. those people.
0: Well, that, that's really good, John. Um, and And I certainly agree. It's it's it is it's wonderful and, and it's mutual. Um, we, we've, uh, we're running out of time here. So I have one last question. And I also have notes that we're going to have to bring you back at least two more times. So no. <laughs> you may become the third host of this podcast because no. we can just always have more stuff to talk about. But what we like to do, the last question, Steve, and I always like to ask people is we kind of just, it's a bit of an open mic and maybe it kind of expands on what you just talked about. But You know, is there anything that is coming up that you would like to, you know, promote or discuss or maybe an event you're going to, you know, that, you know, new product you're excited about, but just anything that you would like to kind of close on um, as we wrap up our conversation. So I just kind of hand the mic over to you, John, and you can take us out.
2: Yeah, in closing, what I'd like to say is I do, you know, spend an awful lot of time at various flying fields, events and so on around the country. I would invite you to please, if you see me anywhere, please come up, introduce yourself. I'd love to find out what you're working on, you know, what what excites you about modeling, um, you know, where where you're at, what your experience level is at, um, you know, what what RC modeling means to you, Uh, you know, especially if you ever have any questions or problems, you know, with, or you don't quite understand how this maybe works with your equipment, especially if it's related to Horizon proprietary equipment. Um, I really enjoy, you know, you, you, you're definitely not, don't ever feel like you're, you know, troubling me. Um, I, in fact, it's an honor for me to, to talk to you guys and uh, find out what, what your life's about, you know, find out what RC's about. You know, what I find is, you know, universally um, for people involved in radio control, I mean, like I said, they have the biggest smile on their face of anybody that I ever know. I was recently at a, um, a professional level car race. And, uh, so I'm fitting, you know, in one area, there's a professional team driver. I mean, this is what he does for a living. I'm not going to say who he is, but he's sponsored by techno is pitting by me. And then there's just absolutely b- beginner on the other side and we're all, uh, you know, racing. And so the, you know, the beginner guy is, uh, you know, he'd come over and he'd talk to us and he would tell us, you know, Hey, I'm doing this, that, and the other. And, uh, you know, after a couple of times, this pro driver looked at me and he kind of rolled his eyes. And, you know, I knew that what he was saying is, man, this guy kind of doesn't have a clue. And I said, you know what? I know where you're coming from, but at the end of the day, the guy that's having more fun than you and I is this guy. You know, he's right. old, yeah. Big time. And so who's the real winner here? You know, is it <laughs> you because you're, you know, cause you're at the head of the field, you know, is it me or is it this guy that's, you know, just starting out, you know, he's starting out racing eight scale starting out racing eight scale, you know, nitro and doesn't know how to tune the engine and doesn't, but he's learning and he's loving it. And again, he has a grin, you know, from one side of his face to the other. And if he can even get the car to run a full heat, he's happy as can be. So, you know, reality is who is the winner here? So Right. Steve, Steve's
1: wondering if I was that beginner, but no, it was not me, Steve. It,
2: so, <laughs>
1: no, no you totally right there, John. You're totally yeah. right. Yeah. Everyone starts there. I remember my first days in the hobby, going to the field and not knowing what the heck I was doing. And the, the the benefit though, and I think this is, this is true for you is there's always been somebody in the hobby that's willing to help. (laughs) And you're that guy now. And while, you know, I, I was that kid back then that needed the help. I'm that guy now that helps somebody at the field. And that's what all of our team pilots and team drivers are are there for in the field as well. Uh, And so you kind of just wrap that up nicely for us as the, that it's everyone starts out as as a beginner and, and this is a pretty intimidating hobby and while we've made technology over the last several years to make it easier there's always something you can learn uh, but it's nice to have people like you out there that are always willing to, to, to stand up and say hey let me help you out let me hold your hand through this because yeah it's it's more fun to, to get that ex- expert advice and uh, have a great experience than it is to go to the field and or the track and and fail over and over again so for thanks sure. for all that you do in the industry, John, and and uh, you know it's 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 remarkable to hear your stories. And like Chris said, we could have you back, but um, you know it's exciting to talk to you. And and this is a different. You and I talk quite a bit, and uh, it's kind of fun to hear your stories from this angle. So I, I appreciate you coming on today.
0: Well, great. Well, I appreciate you guys having me for sure. Yeah, thanks for joining us and sharing your your amazing story. And and also, it's great to hear you know. Where things like spectrum, you know, how it was born and the struggles that, that were involved with it, and from somebody who was, as as Steve said, ground level, and uh, just yeah, thanks for being such an ambassador for not only Horizon but for the whole hobby. It, it is really great, and and we do encourage people to get out and join it. It it really is a, an amazing, uh, an amazing hobby. Even if you don't make a profession out of it. <laughs> it's it's a really good, good way to spend your free time. So, John, yeah. thank you. Um, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good.
1: All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll catch Bye. you guys thanks. on the
2: next one.
1: Thanks, guys. Hey, podcast fans, this episode is over, but thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the On the Horizon RC podcast. We will be back in about a month's time. We're moving towards a monthly cadence. So thanks so much, guys. We hope you enjoy the podcast. And we'll bring you somebody exciting on the next one. For more information about the products you heard in today's episode, check out the show notes. And otherwise, guys, have a great time. We'll see you in a month.